0: Welcome back to Test Talks. My name is Tessa and I'm your host. Today I chat with Laura Duggovit. She is someone that I've just recently been introduced to and I find her work fascinating. And so I'm really excited to talk with her today and share our conversation. Laura and her husband have been married for 22 years and they have two boys. Laura has been a head coach for 130 cheerleaders, she has been an apparel designer and marketing director for a large network of prep schools. She is also a doula and certified birth educator. She has authored a manual on childbirth called Blackwell Birth. She is also a certified hypnotist, a sound meditation practitioner, and a meditation teacher. I am so excited that I got to meet her. Her story is amazing. She went through a whole lot and was able to find mindfulness and meditation to help her along her journey and now she is doing so well and I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation so let's get started. Laura thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm really excited for my listeners to um, be introduced to you and to learn from you. I'm really excited actually to um, learn from you today. So I guess I'll start with how did you or why did you like come into meditation and sound meditation? Like what was it that propelled you through that journey?
1: Yeah, so in, um, and thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, but yeah, so it's so interesting. It was a cascading <laughs> roller coaster snowball of a Well, so it was the last day of 2019. I always joke that my body knew that 2020 was gonna be a total crap show from day <laughs> one. I tell everyone, I'm uh-huh. like, so like, I had the scoop. I you knew. knew. I knew. It's like I know you guys found out like March 6th. I found out <laughs> January first. On December thirty first, and this this might be shocking to people, and I don't think you know this at all. Like we don't know each other by the main no. people. Like we met, and we're like, and a mutual friend said you guys need to talk. So yep. that's what's happening. But so I actually got Botox for the first time in my life on December thirty first. My body had a really severe inflammatory response to the Botox, and it wasn't instant. It was. I had a little rush of adrenaline and weird whatever right after having the injections and I did a micro tiny amount right and uh, exactly 24 hours later my body went into shock and I had it turned into a pretty severe medical crisis of um, short-term acute adrenal failure as a result of the inflammation Um, it was my body my body like basically (laughs) knew there was a foreign invader my body was like something is very wrong and it inflamed so I had it affected my adrenals really adversely, and I went into shock. We didn't know what was happening, and that's a whole long story. My husband and I cover it on our podcast, like so I won't get into the whole thing, but that was the initial trauma and failure and problem.
0: So was it like a, an allergic reaction, or it was something completely different?
1: Yeah, so I mean, not in the technical sense of what an allergic reaction mm-hmm. is, right, because that's anaphylaxis, So, and there are people that have anaphylactic reactions to Botox, but they then have to be traked. They have to have a trach. Put in, and they're usually hospitalized for four to six months because their breathing is um, arrested. Yeah, so Botox has a black box warning, y'all. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, didn't think about it, didn't read it at a time, but it does have a <laughs> black box warning for a reason. They're not hiding it. It can go really great, and I'm super jealous of everyone that gets to do that for in perpetuity and have smooth, gorgeous foreheads everyone else gets to watch me (laughs) and see what I get to be like the science experiment of our generation where like I cannot inject anything so you get to watch like a natural progression Yeah. (laughs) so everyone keep an eye on my Instagram you get to watch how that goes I've
0: always been afraid of stuff like that
1: because I was
0: like no I'll be the one in a million who gets cancer or my hair
1: will fall out I'll have some sort of a response because, and I'm like that I am the canary in the coal mine Mm -hmm. I'm quintessentially (laughs) that canary so I don't know what I was thinking in the first place I didn't even tell my husband that I was doing it I knew he would be so stressed and freaked out and I'm like then he'll see I, I'm just not even gonna tell him and then like three or four days later I'll just be like see by the way babe I got Botox when I was up getting my facial it was no big <laughs> deal it's totally fine Right. no what happened was 24 hours later I started flushing and having these crazy sweats and then I go in the bathroom and I start vomiting and I'm starting to just shake all over my body and instead of saying oh babe I got Botox it was no big deal I said Hey babe I'm really sorry I think I have something I need to tell you I'm really really sorry so I got Botox yesterday and I am I think I'm reacting to it I think something's going wrong because at first I thought maybe I have a flu we just got back from Christmas travel out of state right no it was symptoms that were beyond anything I'd ever experienced um and so anyway so at which point um, so then we got on a Botox injury support group on Facebook to try to find information I'm like messaging my esthetician and saying, Hey, so this is happening. I'm not hearing from her. It's radio silent. I can't get any answers. So I'm like, let's Google. Because that's not terrifying or anything. Right. You know what's a good idea? You Google, is you're, di- you're Trauma dying. support groups or Google or Dr. <laughs> Google. That was just I just decided to completely traumatize myself. Oh my we decided gosh. to push it right over the edge. I got in this Facebook support group for Botox injury and I'm reading, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die, or my life is going to be forever changed. My life is now I just set my life on fire, basically, mm-hmm. is what I gleaned from this group. And so it was devastating. I went into a full-blown panic attack where I was shaking so violently I couldn't sit down. I couldn't eat or drink. It was terrifying. And basically, I came to the decision, and I'm not saying it was an accurate one, obviously because I'm alive, but I came to the decision that I was going to die. It, my, in my mind, uh, it was only... You came to terms
0: with it. You're like, yeah. it's going to happen?
1: And my body was... T- every part of my body was screaming, we're going to die, because I was in shock. So my mm-hmm. adrenals were dumping adrenaline, and they, they failed. The, you have an upper and lower adrenal cortex, right? And they do different things. But the part of my adrenal cortex that uh, produces cortisol failed and couldn't produce any cortisol. So it was like a temporary Addisonian crisis. So Addison's disease. I don't have Addison's disease, but it it, it mimicked those symptoms because I had temporary adrenal failure. So it was rough. <laughs> it was really scary. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. like
0: yeah. I probably would have done the same thing though. I probably would have been like, I'm dying. That's it. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is it. Goodbye, and when all this adrenaline <laughs>
1: is pump- pumping through your body, yeah. it's the it's it's the obvious it's the obvious answer. It's like well, duh, of course you're dying. You know. So it was a really really scary time. We didn't have answers. We had just moved here to Arizona. We could not get into a, a primary care physician. We didn't have a set one yet. So we're calling everyone we know, trying to get in to see a doctor. Uh, we didn't have insurance. Our insurance had just ended because we had left our job in Las Vegas and moved here. So I'm like not getting in the car. I'm literally, I'll die at home and you guys can have a nest egg of money from the sale of our house. <laughs> like I will die here. I'm not going to the ER and spending $15,000. I'm not doing it. I wouldn't get in the car. So anyway, after that trauma, it was just, a while, it was seven days that I did not sleep. I did not eat. I did not sit down for seven days. I had to pace and I just shook. I lost 25 pounds. In um, seven days. Seven days. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Yeah. And then we finally got in to see a doctor and he prescribed medication to help me sleep. And, to, and I, what was crazy is finally the day I got... In to see the doctor, I was I was able to sit through the doctor's appointment, but I think that's when my adrenals, the inflammation reduced, mm-hmm. and I started producing low levels of cortisol at that point. So but I had not eaten a drop of food. We googled online and um honey water. I was sipping on water with honey in it to give me some calories and to send my body signals of safety, like look, there's calories, there's sugars, body. We're just trying to appease my body, right? But like it's okay, body look, here's some honey water, <laughs> but I couldn't keep anything down. And my mouth was so dry that I couldn't chew and swallow anything. Cause it was just cotton. Yeah. It was like being in shock for days and days and days. That was the symptom. So that's what happened. I got on some sleep medication and some anti-anxiety medication because we were treating it like panic attacks. And my theory at the time that I told my doctor was, I think that I'm, how did I say it? I think that my uh, brain is sensing that I'm paralyzed in the forehead and it's panicking about the paralysis which is a good theory, right? My doctor yeah. even was like, you might be right. That's really interesting, but maybe you do have this overly alert nervous system that's like, we're paralyzed, let's panic. And I thought that the paralysis in my forehead was causing the panic. That didn't end up being the case. I found, we found case studies later about adrenal failure in relation to Botox. But that's really interesting because yeah. yeah, you're, you know, you've,
0: you've paralyzed your forehead, right? Yeah. And then your brain could think something was wrong.
1: I mean, that's a total right. Validation. Your brain goes, I'm sending, <laughs> I'm sending, you know, the signal to move and it's not moving something's wrong and then that could increase anxiety and increased anxiety is one of the symptoms of Botox too just a common normal symptom is for you to be anxious and I'm like it might be your nervous system going hey we're firing and sending signals to raise the eyebrows and they're not going anywhere and it might be a feedback system that's all just theory just interesting to think about right I've always been interested in how bodies work and after I came through that seven days I was euphoric when I could sleep through the night and the medication I was just taking a benzodiazepine do not recommend, zero stars, do not recommend, but they helped for a minute, right? And made me feel a lot better. I was like euphoric. I was in the depths of hell for seven days straight and it was so hideous and horrible and exquisitely painful beyond anything I could express that when I came out of it, I was like, Life is so good and I love everybody! I love you, I love you, I love strangers. They were seriously like, "Uh, is she well? My husband's like, she's fine. She's just really happy she's not having a seven day panic attack anymore. So we're a little lovey-dovey. I've heard people's experiences with taking mushrooms or doing other like psychedelics, Uh and I'm like, I lived that. After I came out of the seven days of torture, I actually lived that. I totally understand that. Okay, got it. It's really interesting. So I was really euphoric, happy, love, gratitude just pouring out of me Mm -hmm. every minute of every day to just not be suffering to that degree. And so we just resumed normal life. And then one day I got in the car to go pick my kids up from school and I triggered into a massive panic attack. I stopped taking the other medications, I stopped taking, because I was like, I'm good now, okay, okay, we got through it. First of all, there is a rebound effect that happens with any benzodiazepine where your body, it has a forced dependency, so it will kind of panic and have anxiety, but much, much deeper than that, I didn't realize I was developing the symptoms of trauma. After you think you're going to die, after you have a really traumatic experience, there's sometimes a lull, like a quiet period, or a euphoric, happy, joy, joy, Laura's weird right, bookstore Right, like, period. it didn't
0: happen, mm-hmm. I'm okay, it's I'm I didn't scared. die.
1: My body just said, I think now is where we freak out about how bad the whole week, first week of January felt, right? So my system just went on high alert. And then, of course, there's a cyclical effect. I had a panic attack as I started the car. So, my brain immediately then associated, I can't drive. Driving is dangerous. And what if I would have had this panic attack while I was on the road? And what if I had it when the kids were in the car? Your brain just goes into the what if, what if cycle. And from there, my life just completely melted down. And I became afraid of everything, which I'm such a confident, bold, outgoing person my whole life. I always joke. I have more confidence than ability consistently. Always (laughs) like, I'm like, I can do that. Sure. Well, no, I've never done it before, but yeah, I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. And it went to okay, It was debilitating. I was completely debilitated. I could not function. And at first it was, I couldn't drive. And then it got so bad that I couldn't leave my house. And then it got so bad that I couldn't leave my room because even if my kids had a TV show or something on in the living room, I could hear one sentence or any medical references completely wigged me out. Anything with injections. I couldn't scroll social media. Everything became a trigger. And so I was dealing with really severe health anxiety and then also agoraphobia. By March, um, the lockdowns were actually fantastic for me, the COVID lockdowns, because I couldn't leave the house anyway. I'm like, good, now everyone has to be like me. (laughs) Yeah, there was (laughs) no pressure of, I need to go somewhere. I wasn't needing to do that. And so... That was helpful, actually. And I wasn't afraid of COVID, which was interesting. I was so afraid of everything else but it was just this weird, I don't know. And maybe it was because I know that germs spread a certain way and we're on lockdown. So that was helpful, but whatever it was, it just was, it was a crazy time though. My hair started falling out in handfuls by March because of the trauma that happened. Those first seven days of January, it was January 1st through the 7th. Those, because of those first days, the body, when it's in distress to that level, it it arrested my hair and nail development. It doesn't become apparent until about two two to three months after the inception point. So then I'm like, now what's going on, you know? And I I never could put the weight back on. The first day my husband left to uh, go back to work, he was out of work all of January, all of February. He works in solar, finally went back on February 26th. That was the day I got up, I was like, no babe, you're fine, I'm just gonna stay in bed. I got up to walk to the bathroom because of the medications I was on to now try to, because I went back on medications obviously, I blacked out walking to the bathroom and broke my wrist, fell on the tile floor. Because you can do
0: it. It's okay. <laughs>
1: <This> <laughs> you got this. This is great. This is so fun. <laughs> but the medications they were putting me on made me worse. And they lowered my blood pressure to a point. I already have really low blood pressure. So I had dangerously low blood pressure. Now a broken arm. I mean, it was just one thing on top of the next. And that's what it brought me. One friend said, hey, I'm so sorry. I just feel so strongly. I need to tell you this. And he introduced us to eye movement processing. Which is similar to rapid eye technology, similar to um, EMDR. A lot mm-hmm. of people are hearing more and more about EMDR. DDR, yes. This practitioner that I went to, she's been in practice for 30 years and she's developed her own sequence um, using hypnosis in combination with lateral and bilateral eye movements, which have now been proven. I'm so grateful. Andrew Huberman, Huberman Labs, like, he just, I just heard a sound bite from him and I'm like, oh, it's so exciting to hear that. We're doing the studies and the research. So there are now published studies on bilateral eye movements. That's awesome. Reducing anxiety. And so I went to a practitioner in Tempe who did what, what's called eye movement processing. Within two sessions, I was sleeping through the night. After six months of just abject suffering, I found this woman and was sleeping through the night after two sessions and then was able to drive after four. Because I, wow. I was not driving. I was not able to drive. Mm-hmm. And then after six, I feel like I, I remember it being on the sixth session, I came back into what I call the seat of my soul. Like, I felt safe to inhabit my body. I felt like, I mean, spiritually speaking, for anyone who believes that you're a soul living in a body, right, I felt like my big toe was, like, dipped into my body. I'm like, my body is in turmoil. It's in chaos. I don't want to live here. Right. And so I was like, I had a big toe holding, like, as a placeholder, but I'm like, I can't be here. Like, my body is, Yeah. yeah, my body is not a safe place. And after the sixth session, I feel like I had done so much work and just releasing that stored emotion and the fear around these scenarios that it completely changed my life. And then I have just become so passionate about meditation in conjunction with these other things because meditation is all about coming into presence with ourselves. And we wouldn't even need things like eye movement processing or these different therapies if we were truly fully present in our body every day. My um, business model is not, you need to come to me to feel better. Uh, I now have a practice, I trained under that same woman and I have a practice doing eye movement processing, but my goal is I wanna work with you a few times and give you tools and I want to point you to the wellspring of wisdom that is in every single one of us. It's in you, your healing. The keys to your healing are inside of you. The keys to regular releasing and just coming into into full presence with ourselves, it's that gateway of meditation. Yeah. So
0: a lot, I think this kind of goes in conjunction with some things that I've been learning, you know, about mm-hmm. myself and how I'm trying to retrain my brain to think differently so that, yeah, I, I don't have those. Um, and I've, I've talked about this before, but, you know, like I'm an empath. But I'm the type of empath that like I literally take it in and on. To be a good friend, even to be a good mother, I think it's bad to be such an empath where like you take it all on because it hinders you from being the best you. We need this mindfulness and take time to meditate.
1: My favorite phrase is to stop and say, what am I feeling right now? And just sit with that. Because your body will tell you, I promise. It might not at first because it's like, it's not safe to feel. Shove those feelings down, right? But really, that's what it is. Is it, it can be as simple as feeling anxious, feeling flustered and going, wait, 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 what am I feeling right now?
0: Yeah, why am I feeling, like, mm-hmm. what What happens that I'm feeling this way? What is
1: this? Yeah, because yeah. for
0: me, it was like, oh my gosh, my back is killing me. What stress am I holding in right now? Because it's very physical for me.
1: Yes, okay. So, mm-hmm. you know,
0: I would have squeezing. I felt like... Like an anaconda was like wrapped around me yes. and just like squeezing me to death. And I'm like, what in the world is going
1: on? You know? And it's important for people like you to ask yourselves too, is, is this even mine? Right. What have I taken on? Oops. Okay. I just, yeah. and I'll, I did that as well. I get really affected. A lot of it's um, cognitive for me. Yes. So I'll read something on in social media that is disheartening or alarming. And I won't even notice, right? I'm scrolling and then I pick up on something that's really sad or horrible. And then I'm going about my day and I feel terrible. And I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, and I, I will stop now and go, wait, trace it back. Because I'm feeling, I have this strong feeling something's wrong in my life. Something's wrong. What's wrong? Oh, it's not something wrong in my life. It's something really sad that happened in Florida. Yeah. Right? Something, or something. Some,
0: I think it's really important that we recognize. Because like you said, you know, like all of a sudden you're like, why is this happening to me? And we need to be more in tune with our
1: bodies. Absolutely. So that
0: we're not hurting.
1: And what am I taking on? And then the other concept that I like working on with others is... I love Byron Katie, so the work of Byron Katie. She has a book, Loving What Is. I highly recommend the audiobook, but I will help clients break down. We use the work and we break down, okay, what is it I'm thinking, feeling, believing about this situation? Or, or am I in someone else's business? Okay, so with as parents, it's so funny how much we are up in our kids' business, because to a certain degree, it's our job. We do have a job. We need to protect our kids. We need to guide and mentor and help our kids. 100%, it's our job. But that turns into us taking on a lot of the stuff that just absolutely is not our job. And we're we're depriving them of learning and growth experiences, right? I do love uh, Jodi Moore coaching. She says, it's 50-50. You're Mm -hmm. an amazing mom and you also totally stink. Yeah. And you're blowing it. You're blowing it. And and guess what? You just need to accept that. And our kids, our shortcomings are huge growth opportunities for our kids. Absolutely. If you think about what I went through in 2020, and I've, I've worked with so many clients since who have had debilitating physical, mental, all the types of illness, right? Debilitating, and they say, it's just not fair to my kids. And I say, what do you mean? Let's question every thought, because you actually can't believe everything you think, yeah. right? You can, your brain is full of it. It is full of it, and it is not right. Like, there's a, an awareness that knows it's aware, right? And then there's the brain, which is the operating system of the body. It's primitive. It's looking for what's wrong. It makes up stories. It's one of the greatest storytellers of all time. There's a reason we love stories. It's because our brains are full of crap. That's and they right. love stories. <laughs> they love We write big, fat stories about our whole day all the time. We are just big storytellers, you know? And what I had to learn in 2020 is, like, is that story serving you? Right. And what, what if it's not, then let's tell a different story. So it's like, oh, this is so unfair to my kids. Really? Because my story about my debilitating, crippling fall apart in 2020 is... I was given the most beautiful opportunity to raise deeply compassionate kids, mm-hmm. deeply independent children, because guess what? I couldn't yeah. helicopter parent their, their grades. I was like, I'm twitching in a corner, curled up in a ball. Like I'm like, I can't help you. Right, and <laughs> they, could, your-
0: they could have chosen to be like, well, mom's... Debilitated. I don't, yeah. need, I don't have to do anything. Yes. And I can
1: fail if I want to. Yeah. Who cares? And my teenager who really doesn't care about grades, and that's just his personality, I'm like, he really just continued to not care about grades. But that was fine. But the other thing is, they served me. Yeah. They lived in a household. And the other thing I tell parents all the time, if you're fighting a really big battle, whatever kind of battle that is, your kids know. So let's just take a minute, and let me just tell everyone within the sound of my voice, they know. You're not hiding it. You're not fooling them. If you're having big marriage problems, they know. If you are having a major illness, they know. And you're gaslighting your kids by going, la la la, no, nothing, what, over here, no, everything's fine. They know. Spoiler alert, they know. So what I did when we were going, and my kids were locked from my, I was like locked in my room, right? And Kyle was the most amazing person ever, just like, here's a little tiny piece of food that you can try to choke down, and here's here's some water, and here's your medication. He had to administer all my medication because I, I, my short-term memory loss was bizarre. so my kids weren't seeing the worst of it, but mm-hmm. they can feel it. They know mom's not okay. I can't leave the house, right? Yeah. So You're I, not
0: coming out of your room to, yeah. to visit with them and to see things and go to their activities. Any of their school yeah. events,
1: nothing. I was so, so, so crippled at the time. But it was so amazing. I had them come in my room, look them both in the eyes, and I said, Hey guys, I'm not okay, but I'm going to be okay. That statement... Can you feel it in your body like when you say it? It's (laughs) truth. And my kids needed to hear. And like the relief. And one of my kids got teary and was like, okay. Because they were like, okay, someone's admitting to me. Because I realized, oh my gosh, I've been in so much chaos that I haven't thought to have a conversation with my kids either. But as soon as it occurred to me, I just said, hey guys, come here. I need to talk to you. I'm not okay. This is way scary. We don't have answers. We're going to get answers. Yeah, I well, know we can get answers.
0: And if you're not in the um, medical mm-hmm. frame of mind or, you know, you're not in the, I mean, you, you were already doing stuff with um, medical, like a doula, you yeah. know, things like that. So you already know people like me, I'm like, I'm hiding it from them because I'm protecting them. Now that I'm older and my kids are grown, I can see like where it really hurt them instead of helped them. Right. Like I wasn't protecting them, even though I thought I was. We have
1: the best of intentions, Absolutely. 100%. And I did
0: what I did with oh my the gosh. knowledge I had, right? Yes. And with how my brain was functioning. Because mm-hmm. I asked somebody once, I said, why is it that right now is the time that I'm learning all this? Like, why couldn't I have learned this like 20 years I know. ago? You I know, know, I always say,
1: rude. Yeah. Hey, life. this is rude. <laughs> Wait, why
0: all yeah. of a sudden is my brain like, oh. This is how things really work. Yeah, you know it's it's hard as a mom mm-hmm. and as an empath and as a perfectionist and things. You know, I just think it's hard because of human nature. But right. I can't beat myself up anymore though.
1: No, and here's the thing: this is what I love. I'm so glad you said that. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. The way you raised your kids was perfect. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy?
0: I, I can't comprehend because it's
1: supposed to be bad and it's supposed to be good. They're supposed <laughs> yeah. to experience both. Like, what do we believe, you know, like, doctrinally, like, I mean, like, talking like from any Christian's viewpoint, like, it's like, we were supposed to experience the good and the bad. We came here to get experience. What I went through in 2020 was the most life-giving thing that could have ever happened to me. And it completely changed my entire life. And it completely changed my children's lives, too. Mm -hmm. It's crazy and incredible and beautiful, the things that we've gleaned. But this is what I say about that. Okay, so, first of all, how do I know it was supposed to go exactly the way that you raising your kids went? Because that's how it went. That's, that's how I know. Because we're loving what is, we're embracing reality. We aren't experts when we when we have kids. We just aren't. Yeah. So that's number one is how do I know it was right? Because that's what happened. Second I love that. There's nothing I know, it's like so it's so <laughs> obvious, but it's like so your brain wants to correct everything, right?
0: Yeah, it's um, not something I've ever thought of. Like yeah. well it went that way because I made mistakes. Yep. Is how it's always gone in my brain. You no? Know? Like, well I didn't do
1: it right and that's why it went that way. <laughs> right. And I'm all about personal accountability, right? Like let's definitely yeah. go, ooh, how can I fine tune? How can I shift things? How can I do better next time? But we learn what we want to do better by doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. And like we yeah. have to give ourselves grace. But then the second part is, is it's never too late to call your kids and say Oh my gosh. I just had the craziest podcast conversation and I realized like I was gaslighting you guys and this was my intention. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to protect you, but I realized, geez, if I'm an empath, mayhaps my children <laughs> may also have gifts of being really intuitive. Yes. And I am so sorry because mm-hmm. you probably had this really disconcerting feeling of, oh, something's not right, but mom's like, what? Rainbow sunshine. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. That's totally. happening but guess what that also gave your teens your younger like your kids had the opportunity to go hmm I, this feels weird yeah. and they're honing their own receptors yeah and they're learning how to deal with it and guess what else even but the thing is is it can be so healing for you to have that conversation for you to right. say like, oh my gosh light bulb moment I just want you to know I know I was an amazing mom you know I, and I was I was also awesome <laughs> Also, we're connected, and I love you, and, like, look what an amazing adult you are. Yeah. So I'm pointing out that, you know, I'm sorry that I was still... We're learning how to be a parent the whole time we're a parent.
0: Absolutely. I'm still learning. I mean, I've been a parent for 25 years, and I'm still learning. Yes. And it's it's also crazy because, you know, at first when you become a mom, you're like, oh, it's always going to be this way. But each kid... Is so oh different. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, this doesn't work for this kid. What do I do now? <laughs> like, you have so to you throw just out your playbook all every of time. Them because you can't, you didn't get it right the first time. Yes. Because
1: the second time is totally different. Yeah, you write like a perfect playbook. Yeah. And then the second baby comes in and like drop kicks it out the door. And you're like, yeah. oh, I wrote, I thought I really authored a fantastic manual. And that was just for that one kid. So great. And they're already kind of through that process. So that's fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so that's, but that's what meditation allows us to do. Is we can get really quiet and and also and notice that defeating voice it's like oh yeah so i did that wrong mm, no i was learning wow i learned so much i got to practice on these beautiful children and guess what guess when your kids are gonna have so much depth and clarity and empathy when they have their own kids yep and they're like oh yeah this is hard
0: <laughs> i don't know how to do this yeah i can remember uh, my mom saying that or maybe it was my dad but i can remember that as a as um like a teenager Mm -hmm. like someday you'll you know be grateful and and I was always like no I'm gonna do everything totally different than you I can't remember if it was after my first or my second child but yeah I was like mom I am so sorry that I was a terrible child yeah (laughs) and this is way harder than I thought it was gonna be you know Mm -hmm. so I earned a lot more respect for my parents after I became a parent and maybe not everybody does that but right you know and maybe some people won't until they're you know older and then they're like oh because I felt like this whole last year has just been a huge learning era for me right you know and the people that have been brought into my life they're teaching me almost Mm -hmm. every single person that I have met this last year there has been a huge teaching moment or you know months of teaching and it's been amazing Right. and definitely mindfulness is i think one of the things that has really helped me you know like really thinking about it not overthinking it mm-hmm. and not stressing about it is it true
1: like that's mm-hmm.
0: very important like if it's true okay so then we do this if it but if it's untrue why are we letting it
1: take over and, yeah, and, and guide and inform yes. and yes and that's what I like to say is like the starting point for all of this is to all realize that we're in some form of prison of, of our mind. Mm-hmm. Our mind, we have built some, it has helped enclose us behind bars. And the act of mindfulness, the act of meditation, it is that the process of looking at this bar and going, all right, does, is this real? <laughs> does it serve me? Mm-hmm. And if not, why am I allowing it to be here? Why mm-hmm. am I allowing this to inform my worldview? And we're in a constant state, in my opinion, of unlearning. I yes. feel like and that's what we understand about the mind, right? So from ages zero to seven, you are in your theta state. Right. So when we talk about brain waves, there's the alpha brainwave state and beta brainwave states. Theta is when you are REM sleep is theta, okay, where you're dream, dreaming, deep meditation, hypnosis, theta state, driving, when you just go into autopilot and you're driving and, and you all just of a get a home you end
0: somewhere, end up somewhere and you're like, Wait, <laughs> or, why did I come
1: here? Or you miss an exit like four exits back and you just now <laughs> realized you missed the exit. That's theta. Your brain is just like, ooh, you're moving fast you're going you're in the zone like you get into these autopilot programs and theta is a really healing brainwave Mm. to be in it's extremely creative and that's what hypnosis does is hypnosis is not taking away your free will you're not you you will remember everything you do it's just getting your brainwaves slowed down to theta and theta is where programming can take place
0: isn't interesting.
1: that interesting? Yes. And so that's how we delete what no longer serves us—the belief systems that we've taken on from childhood—and we can upload and reprogram your brain as a computer. And the theta waves are the—that's the—that's the wave we want to ride to redesign the brain. Um, and then the delta waves are the deep, deep sleep, like you're just out, out cold. <laughs> okay. So and delta are really, really healing brain waves as well, really slow brain waves. Um, but in our daily waking lives, we're mostly in the alpha and the, the or the alpha and the beta. So yeah, so it's really interesting, but. Children from zero to seven are almost constantly in a purely theta state. When we measure the brain waves of children, they're theta brain waves.
0: Interesting. Which
1: tells you you are being programmed from zero to seven. And then your brain shifts after that. At the age of eight, your brain shifts into frontal lobe function. Wait, way heavier. I mean, still everyone's frontal lobe works don't. So they're like, this lady on this podcast was <laughs> saying kids don't have frontal lobes. Well, we know they're not developed fully until like 25 now. Well, right. I heard 21, right. I've, and now I've heard I'm hearing 25. Yes right? And that's why alcohol is so dangerous for younger kids. Cause it's like, no, it affects that frontal lobe. And when it's in the developing stages, it can actually cause really severe damage. It's not helpful to the brain at those stages. Yeah. I don't know. Although it's not ever really helpful to the brain <laughs> as we find it's a neurotoxin <laughs> as well. Alcohol's a neurotoxin. So um, anyway, but yeah, so it's just interesting. You are being programmed. So what did you hear when you were little? What did you see modeled for you when you were little? Did you hear, oh, we can't afford it. Or did you overhear people complaining about you? You know, for me, it's funny. I've constantly heard, People say, oh, well, she's a lively little thing. Oh, she talks a lot, doesn't she? Oh man, she does that, that Laura does not shut up. Wow, you know. And I was like, and I internalized that as like, oh, something's wrong with me. And it's interesting because it's funny when, when people talk a lot, I'm just a communicator. That's just who I am. Yeah. And I, I communicate to connect. I'm also a really good listener now, <laughs> but I wasn't before. But I just was like, blah 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 blah. Like I'm here to communicate. I'm here to connect. Yeah. And that was my way of connecting. But as people were judgmental of it, right? And what people projected as is it's all about you. When Mm -hmm. someone's really talkative, they're like, oh, she's all about herself. Yep. And it's like, no, when people are a natural communicator, that's their bid to connect. It's not a bid to show off. It's not a bid to have attention. It's a bid to connect.
0: Yeah. That's why judgment is so terrible because Mm -hmm. it hinders people. It keeps them from being
1: them who they're meant to be. Yeah. And I love, like, in, in, in my eye movement processing sessions that I went to with a facilitator, I've really healed that. And I actually just was recently at a, a gathering and a woman made, like, this offhand. And it was totally... It was it was for sure meant to be derogatory, but it's fine. But, like, I, I met her and I... I'm really friendly and gregarious, uh... But I love talking deep ideas. Mm-hmm. In a social situation, I'll also kind of totally clam up because I don't do small talk well. I'm really uncomfortable with small talk. But if someone wants to tell me their trauma, I'm like, yes, go on. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. You know, I love hearing. That's awesome. Like, I want to go deep with people. Yeah. And so when I do, it's like, oh, my gosh, the back and forth is so great. And then we even played a game where people are like, oh, say it, something you're working on. And so I said, oh, da 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 this is what I'm doing. And, um, and later, my friend told me, oh, she said, it was so funny she talked more in the last two hours than I have in like a week. And I know that it's supposed to be like, wow, she talks too much. And it was so funny because I was like, I just, I'm so blessed to be a communicator. I love to communicate. And I, I love that it just shines out. And I love, and I'm here to communicate. And now I have a message, right? And right. I have a message to people, you are not broken. Nothing, there's nothing that has happened that is not fixable. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I have this mouthpiece on me to say, to send these messages of comfort, peace, encouragement, and owning who you are. Right. And hi, I'm Laura. I talk too much. I had my (laughs) 10,000 hours, my Malcolm Gladwell outliers, 10,000 hours. I had 10,000 hours at age seven. (laughs) Like as soon as my frontal lobe was developed, I was already an expert at talking. Right. So can you tell? (laughs) La, 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 la. Right?
0: No, I love it because... (laughs) Like, that's how I was. I think that's how I was when I was little because Mm -hmm. my mom has always said that, like, I knew no stranger, you know, and I just, I included everyone and all those things. Now, obviously, things changed a little bit as I got older and I started believing things that people, yep, that people said about me or that I heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did go through a a period where, you know, like, I had no self-confidence. Like, it was just like... um, Nobody cares about me. With you, girl. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and even as a mom, you know, if something happened or my child got hurt, it was always... It was my fault that they got hurt, even though they were out by themselves doing something that they probably shouldn't have been doing. (laughs) You know, it was my fault. Yes. And so you... The more you think negative about yourself, the more you believe it,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: that starts to hinder all kinds of things. And
1: that, that is what walks those neural pathways. It stomps out mm-hmm. a trail of neural pathways in your brain that will then guide you right to the, it'll curve you negative every Just time. keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. And that brings us, that's the perfect segue that brings <laughs> us to, yeah, that's what we do with meditation is we cognitively, we use our, our stillness. We use that quiet time to get off of those trails. And to go, okay, where am I stomping? Because I had a victim mentality, too. I grew up watching a mom that was very sick all the time. And it was not her fault. She was born with a hole in her heart. She had open heart surgery mm-hmm. at age 11, like in the 60s, yeah. right? That's yeah. not oh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> no. That was, we did not have the same. I mean, at this point now, they don't even, the same surgery, they don't even have to open. She had a full open chest yeah. cavity, opened her ribs, like terrifying, hard, hard surgery. She And her body has, yeah, had a ton of stuff going on. and So I grew up watching my mom battle issue after issue, Mm. and I became subconsciously terrified of my own body. And my decision was my body is my enemy. Bodies are fragile. Bodies do not work right. And guess what? Those are true for literally everyone. (laughs) Bodies are fragile. Bodies do break down. They don't always work. My new belief system is my body heals in amazing ways. And my body is so vital and vibrant and it's flexible. Yes, it will break and it will heal. And yes, it will have a struggle and it can come out of the struggle. But it used to be, I would get something, something would be going wrong and I would sit down in it and be like, I'm trapped here. I'm yep. stuck. And that was just one belief system because I grew up going, my mom never gets any relief. It never gets better for her. you know, but guess what? She's still alive. And guess what? She has done amazing things for years, despite her limitations. But that wasn't the story I was writing. I was writing, oh, this is so hard. And I didn't stop to recognize that all of the women in my life have had, yes, they've had hard times, but they've also done so much in spite of hard times. And that was this one switch that I was able to flip Mm -hmm. through meditation, through examination of my thoughts. So the question is just, okay, what neural pathways have I stomped into the ground? And they're so deep, but it's beautiful because our brains are just like everything else in nature. If you stay off the path, the path will grow over. Yeah. So meditation is the process of, Staying off of the path, letting it heal, letting the neural path heal, seal, and, and noticing, too. Okay, did, have you seen the dog whisperer, Caesar Milan? Uh-huh. right, forever ago? Uh-huh. Yes. For those who aren't aware of it, like he, because it's like our generation, <laughs> yeah, right? Anyone like, an like under thing. 30 listening is like, what is, all of our precious Gen Z, if any Gen Zers happened upon this podcast, we're sorry, and I'll give you some explanation. <laughs> Here's a little bit of context, but he goes, Shh, and he bites. He bites at, like, the sides of the dog with his hands. Like, he just kind of hits and just, because it's just a check. It just wakes you up, right? It's just saying, hey, don't do that. It's just correcting behavior because that's what dogs do. They'll bite each other and growl. But he says he makes the ch sound because it's not heard in the dog kingdom. In all of their, it's it's a disconcerting sound for them, and it gets their attention back. So a really aggressive dog, if you go ch, they're like, what the crap was that? Yeah. Right? They, they, it snaps them out of it. Especially, we call wow. it the red zone if you, they're getting really aggressive and ready to attack. That sound will snap them out of their attack mode. And I laugh, I say, I teach people to do this to their brains. <laughs> and when their brain, when you start going, we go, Shh, no. Every way and every day and in an every way, I'm getting better and better. And that's what I did. So I had really crippling health anxiety. And I would be, oh, my gosh, what? I'd, I'd feel a little pain in my head. I'm like, what if this is an aneurysm? What if this? And it would just snowball. I'm having face-melting panic. I'm shaking, you, you know. you
0: become like a full-on hypochondriac. I was.
1: And I had, I did for, like, months. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my gosh, okay. Da, da. Like, I'd have one errant thought. I'd have one little pain, a little pain in my kidney, a little pain in my stomach. I have stomach cancer. Like, immediately. Mm-hmm. My brain was out of control. My yeah. brain was literally, and my husband was the most amazing coach, but he would just say, Whenever you have any physical sensation, you say, it doesn't matter why. Because I'm so analytical, and I would go, is it happening because of this? And maybe, oh my gosh, I looked sideways at a banana today, and I'm allergic to bananas, so was like my stomach hurting because I looked at a banana? Or I brushed up against a banana? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was hysterical. He, he would just say, it doesn't matter why. And that's a good example of, like, Shh, just yeah. like a no. We're bringing
0: you out of it. Uh, and stopping
1: like my brain. Yeah. Treating my brain like a little wild dog, and just saying, mm, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I love that. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And so, and by, by going Shh, and stopping, cutting off the trail as you're about to walk and stomp that anxiety, health anxiety trail, you stop it at the front, of, at the head of the trail and you just go, I'm completely releasing and relaxing and I'm just going to be safe in my body. I'm just going to acknowledge too. And then I love Byron Katie. She also ha- says there are three kinds of business in this world. There's your business, my business, and God's business. And like whatever religious, you know, propensities you have or yeah, even if matter. you're atheist agnostic, just hire... God to an atheist can be what is, right? Yeah. That is the ultimate God is like, these are the things that happened and it's the ultimate decision, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, it was like, I came to the conclusion, I got COVID really bad in November of 2021. Okay. So it's when the Delta variant was going around yes. and I was extremely sick. I did develop pneumonia after, like, you know, by day 11, I was like full blown pneumonia in so much pain, feverish, like my skin hurt to the touch. I mean, it was just an intense dose, right? Of COVID. I it, Also, they have found now, that COVID harms your, hurts your adrenals mm-hmm. and puts your adrenals on high alert. So people will have high cortisol for months after fighting COVID. So if you have additional anxiety, sleeplessness post COVID, like in the, just know that that's actually normal and your adrenals will heal over time, but it actually affects the adrenals and any colder virus does by the way, because your adrenals are like your fight or flight system. Yeah. They're like, Ooh, there's an, there's an invader. That's what yeah. your adrenals are saying. They right? trying to protect you. Yeah. So I'm laying in bed, and I'm still dealing with health anxiety. Now, I at least have tools now. Mm -hmm. But when my adrenals are actively being activated by a virus, right, and I'm having kind of some of those intrusive thoughts, and my body's actually exhausted. It feels so horrible and so painful that it's really easy to believe I'm dying. I'm not okay, right? Yes. And it was so cool because I'm basically on the verge of a panic attack in the middle of the night by myself in my room my husband and I sleep sleep separately because when I was in insomnia land forever it's like you just need to sleep so go in the guest room like be out of here right yeah so I'm by myself I was just like I'm willing to see this differently I'm willing to let this go okay mind body like let's just guide ourselves a different direction and it came to me this is none of my business and it was profound it was like if I live or die literally none of my business now, if I take my vitamins, my business. Yeah. If I wear my seatbelt, my business. Those are things that I can control. But the actual act of if I'm going to make it or not, literally not, not my not business. G- yeah. And even yeah. even cancer, right? Yeah. I can do chemotherapy. I can do surgery. I recently lost a best friend to cancer. It was just last year. It was devastating. And she did everything right. She did everything she right. could do. Yep. And she didn't make it. And I also have family that has fought cancer. And they're still here. It's not up to us. No. Like, we can do our part. But the actual act of life or death Is up to God, Mm -hmm. in whatever form you believe in God, and it was like that was so powerful, and I was literally panicking. I and I was literally in my bed, in my head, going, "This is none of my business. This is none of my business." And I'm shaking, and I'm feverish, and I'm just a mess. And I'm like, I have Gilmore Girls rolling in the background, because I'm just trying to like calm my sister and be like, "Look, Connecticut Fall. It's fine, body. Look, we're having a hot chocolate and watching Connecticut Fall, right?"
0: And it's hard unless you're in. I think working on your
1: mindset. Right. You can get taken away by those sensations and those fears so quickly. And so it was a beautiful thing. And so I, and I, I probably sound kind of, and I really am big on radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. So this might sound extreme to people. So just come play in my sandbox a little bit with me. Just play along and just think. And what Byron Katie asks people to do is like, just ask, Is it? could this not be just as true? Like, oh, I messed up my kids. Okay, back to the, oh my gosh, I just... Yeah. I wasn't really honest with my kids. I was kind of hiding the fact that... I was hiding my struggles, so I kind of blew it with my kids. So what's the reverse of that? I totally nailed it with my kids, and my kids got exactly what they needed. They got just the right amount of trials and their mom not being perfect mm-hmm. to grow into the compassionate, intelligent people that they are. Could that not be just as true as I blew it? Yeah. Because you can't prove either one. No. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And so it's just about playing with it. And so I I tell you a lot of times when, especially when you've had chronic health problems your whole life, you feel so victimized. And I I know that was my experience. I feel so traumatized by my own body, traumatized by the stories I have about my body. Yeah. And as I just actively, and it's not as simple as affirmations, right? Like looking in the mirror, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Yeah. But affirmations are real. Like it's not as simple as that, but the stillness and the really coming Mm -hmm. face to face and like reckoning with those beliefs one by one that is powerful and then as you realize what the limiting beliefs are you flip them
0: yeah well and affirmations can just be the beginning of helping you move forward towards that mindfulness and that connecting with your body and saying it's none of
1: my business (laughs) yeah and that's what i've realized as i would rather go through my life being optimistic is all get out and having people be like, she's an idiot. Like she's a fool. <laughs> if I'm happy, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because
0: you can, you can, you can be chronically ill mm-hmm. and be miserable mm-hmm. or you can be chronically ill and you can be happy mm-hmm. and you can make good things happen.
1: And you can be chronically ill and like honor those really hard days. Right. Cause yeah. I've had, and I've been there. I've been like, I've had horrible (laughs) oh yeah it's real I mean and I wish like in your show notes let's put some pictures of some of my life stuff because it's like heinous I look like hitch I had like a wild allergic reaction and like I was deformed for months and then Uh got a staph infection from my skin breaking open my swelling was so big that it pulled my skin apart and then when it finally swelling finally went down we got everything figured when all the went down, my face hung off, like the skin hung off of my face like jowls. Like I looked like I was 65 when I was 34.
0: Oh my it was.
1: Gosh. I've been through it, yeah. y'all. Like trust me, we're not just going, hey, people with chronic illness, it's fine. Get over it. We're not no, saying that. No, because no, there's so
0: that. many things that people go through. One thing that I've really learned this year is mm-hmm. that, you know what? Every single human being is going through something. Yes. Every single human being has some form of chronic illness, mental health. We all have issues. None of us are perfect. Right. And instead of judging someone because you think
1: you Mm -hmm. know what
0: they're going through and that how they're dealing with it or reacting to it is not how you would. That doesn't matter. Because it's none of your business, right?
1: Right. Your business, my business, God's business. I think I'm going to use that a lot now. Um, Yeah, with our adult children, get in your business. Because, like, that's the only place you get to belong.
0: Especially (laughs) this year, I've really had to... It's not my responsibility. It's not Mm -hmm. my responsibility. But I really feel like... The more we could talk about uh, mental health and Mm -hmm. and how to be mindful and how to help ourselves so that we're not in this victim mentality all the time or we think no one else is going through this. No one knows how I feel. And I might not know exactly how you personally feel, but I know what I've gone through. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that we could, if we, like, you know...
1: Compared notes.
0: Compared notes, we'd be like, oh, wow,
1: you get it. And I love the quote, all pain is the same. At mm-hmm. its root, at the end of the day... It's just pain. Yeah. Deep, deep sadness is deep sadness. Whether mm-hmm. that's over a betrayal, whether that's over a loss of a loved one, you know sadness is sadness and at its core like at the bottom of sadness it feels like sadness and it feels the same to everyone you know and same with physical pain you reach in fact yeah the brain will shut off after a certain point so when you hit the climax of physical pain like whether that's a car accident a broken anything it's like pain is pain is pain is pain Mm -hmm. and we've all felt it and the truly compassionate thing to do is to acknowledge that And everyone, yeah, there are people that have not experienced extreme levels of pain. But what I realized in 2020 is it's coming for all of us at some point. So I want everyone within the sound of my voice to have the tools they need for when it does come for them. Like, if you have lived a mostly blissful, you know, life, I mean, that's amazing. And I'm so happy for anyone that has avoided it, but I just don't think any of us get out of here. I know any, none of us are getting out of here alive, for sure, <laughs> but none of us are getting out unscathed either. It's going to be it's rough, true. and that's the nature of bodies, and that's it's the true. nature of what, what we're at, and so, but I believe so, so often too, which was so narcissistic and hilarious of me, but I'm like, it's just me. Like, I, like, I have it worse than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Not true. It mm-hmm. just isn't true, and I, I did have it really bad. Like, if I did my laundry list for everyone, they'd be like, Yeah, you had it pretty bad. And if I had, like, did show and tell pictures, I love, I love, I still love, like, show people a picture. They're like, whoa, I thought you were, like, kind of exaggerating. I know. I have, like, a big personality, but I actually don't exaggerate those things. I say things with a lot of vibrato, but I'm actually not making this up. It's, you know, it's a very real thing. Well, and when
0: someone doesn't know you your whole life, you know, Mm -hmm. and they meet you after... You've gotten through the storm, you know, yeah. They don't know now, you know, maybe if they went through it with you because they were your friend or your family, you know, then they have a little bit more understanding and compassion. Yeah, Yeah, if I met someone who may be going through what I did, Mm -hmm. you know, or someone. Going through something that I didn't, yeah. I might be like, "Well, you know, you could fix it by, <laughs> <laughs> right?" I'm a fix. I was. I'm also a fixer. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I had to fix everything for everybody, yes. right? And take care of everyone. Like it's my job, but mm-hmm. it's not. But my job is to have compassion for people
1: and hold space. You know? Like that's my favorite yeah. thing. Is I love holding space and just listening while people get all of these bars. You know, they tell me about their jail bars, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, yes. And I hear and listen, listen, listen and get it all in front of you and then just start but which bars am I just going to saw out? Like mm-hmm. like a old cartoon, right? Get the yeah. saw out and just saw yeah. the bars away. Which ones like are just not serving me and I'm in a prison of my own making. It's true. And we that, are, know. right? Oh yeah, and that's what I realized when I was kind of at the very bottom of the whole experience of 2020. And the panic was so bad and my hair was flying. I finally chopped all my hair just into a little pixie cut because I just, I felt like, and it was draggly. It was crazy and I just felt so sick, right? And I weighed like next to nothing. I I was skin and bones. It was just ribs and I just felt so broken. And so, and I, same thing, all the judgments. I'm not a good mom to my kids. I'm not going to the PTA fundraiser. I can't go to my son's performance. I can't do Mm -hmm. anything but just keep breathing in and out. And I feel so worthless. It was in that time, in that stillness, that I realized my worth is infinite and inherent. There's no amount of momming that I'm going to do that's going to make me a worthy person. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of wifing I'm going to do or community service that I'm going to do or even this work that I'm doing now. I am no more worthy right now have helping hundreds of people and doing my sound meditation and doing all the things that I do. I am no more worthy than I was curled up in a ball
0: mm-hmm. with
1: my hair, mm-hmm. without anything, you know, with my service golden retriever, Kevin spooned into me and shaking and trembling <laughs> and not even able to like make a meal for my children. Yeah. I had just as much worth in that moment. And I experienced it. I had the craziest experience, just the spiritual experience of feeling how loved I am mm-hmm. and just my conscious awareness and my ability to, I started doing a practice of just laying in bed and sending love to everyone I knew. Or I would send text messages to everyone I knew and just say, because I had so many friends and family, right, who I could call when I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, Kyle needs to sleep, so who's on the call brigade who I can call and say, (laughs) I am freaking out and I just have to talk to somebody so that I'm not unhinged, you know? Yeah, you need a tribe. Oh my gosh, Yeah." yeah. And so I would just text them and say, and I'm sure those texts seemed really like, but I'm like, I just love you so much. You don't understand what your friendship means. But that is so beautiful. And like in a totally broken state, and you know, I have a client who... Her dad was a quadriplegic, had the trach Mm. and the breathing machine. Even his respiration had to be done for. And when he passed, she was so heartbroken. And because he was an amazing man. And he he had the eye thing he could communicate. And he had left this indelible impression on all of his family's lives, all of his children. He loved them so perfectly. And I'm like... And the average person, would go, oh, but how? How could he love them from, you know, a wheelchair? And from his love shined through everything mm-hmm. he did. And it had nothing to do with his physical abilities. And we all have the ability to love. Yes. And to just, and I just call it, like, just get in the river of peace. Like, you just get in the mm-hmm. river. You drop your oars. You spread your body out. Puff your chest so you can just float. Like, fill your lungs and just float and feel. And it, everyone listening do this right now. Just take a minute and breathe and just feel. You're inherent right now, because you know you're trying. You know you're doing everything within your capacity to do. Mm-hmm. And my message is is like there's so much more, but it's all there for us. Like yeah. we can all explore it by just coming home to that part of ourselves that know that there's no end of beginning to what we can do, and that like our love, love literally can solve everything, and you can love from your bed in a ball <laughs> absolutely
0: i so like within the last week I had an experience where I was talking with someone and they're like well I just feel like I have to do this because I have to earn my like I already knew that that really wasn't true but it really hit me and I think it was because someone else was voicing kind of how I felt in the past mm-hmm. you know like well I've got to earn my yeah. and so when she said this it hit me really hard and it was like you don't have to earn your like you came to this earth
1: with Worth. Worthy. Already. 100%. Yeah.
0: And then, I think it was two days ago, I was, I love Lauren Day. And I've always loved her song. I don't know what it's called, but she when she sings, it's the, um What Have I Done to Deserve Love? Yes. You know, love like, like this. this. And I was listening to that and just singing my heart out. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, what? What did she saying? What have I done to deserve love like mm. this? And something just said to me, you, you deserve, you've deserved it since the beginning. You Mm -hmm. didn't have to do any, you have worth and God loves you. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it just hit me really hard and I was like, oh my gosh, all this stuff that I've been doing all it's just preparation for whatever's coming next. Yeah, which, you know, I've said before, like, I'm afraid. I really am afraid because all these things that I start learning, I'm like, wait, what is this getting me ready for, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I think if whether you're, you know, over the age of seven or you're, you know, 100, whatever, if we could know, if we could feel our worth, if we could really feel it, maybe we wouldn't struggle so much. Absolutely. But it's that mindfulness of getting ourselves... To the point where we can
1: feel, where we can experience our worthiness. Yeah, and it's and it's in the stillness. It's in quiet. It is, and it's in communion with yours and not, that which is higher. I know.
0: loved how you said, like you would even you'll just even lay in bed and like send out, like, oh, I love this person. Mm-hmm. That is, you know is something that I've learned in some of my life coach classes. Is that okay? So who do you need to forgive that you haven't? That's a big one. And who needs to forgive you? Okay, that's a hard one. That's been the hardest for me. No, and I'm
1: perfect. Yeah, I've just done my best. I haven't done anything. But actually, what I
0: what came to me yesterday as I'm making this list of people that I need to forgive me. Mm. I what I realized, and maybe this is just for me. You know, it might not be for everybody, but I realized, or Mm -hmm. the people that I need to forgive, they also need to forgive me. Yeah, because. They weren't the only problem in whatever it was. Two takes two to tangle,
1: right? There's two, <laughs> there's two unconscious pain bodies bumping up against each other. Yes. <laughs> and
0: if we're not sure what is going on, yeah. or if we're not sure of ourselves, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna do it wrong. But also, so in realizing who I need to forgive and who should forgive me, I don't have to call all those people. Mm-mm. Okay, half of them I pro- I don't even know where they are. Yeah. Like, you know they they may be here, they may not. Maybe they've passed on. I have no idea. Like, it really hit me that, like, there are so many people way in my past that I really need to forgive and that need to forgive. And so then some people can start to worry, well, how can I, how can they forgive me when I can't call them? But it's the same thing. Mm
1: -hmm. Sending
0: those thoughts out into the universe can really, even if they don't know what's going on. It doesn't matter. They can
1: feel peace, though. Yes. They can. Mm -hmm. I can feel peace. And you can feel peace, right? And I teach that so much in my, my seminars and lessons. You can hold a grudge all day long, but Julie's over there living her best life. Like she has no <laughs> idea you're mad. Yeah. Like especially if you have a tendency to be offended really easily, yes. which some do and some don't. I, I I'm hard to offend. I feel like I had a really rocky life, and it's like now nah, you have to basically come punch me in the face for me to know you don't like me. That's like even this lady like this backhanded comment. That's cool. I know I'm such yeah. a good tucker. I'm really excited to like u- utilize this going forward because yeah. I have a message. Well, you know, and when when it's you're fine. At
0: peace with yourself though.
1: Nothing other else matters. People's,
0: yeah, other people's opinions Opinions or judgments
1: are about can't them.
0: Hurt you. Well, it's about her. Like yeah. she was really
1: timid and quiet at this gathering, yeah. right? And that's okay. Like she's a timid, quiet person, and she thinks that the value is in being. And there are times when I'm extremely quiet. I can't wait. And it's funny. People are surprised when I say this, but I'm planning on doing a 10-day silent meditation retreat where you don't talk. You take a vow of silence at the beginning of it. And you sit in meditation all day. And it's really grueling. I've heard it. In fact, I practice sitting on my floor a couple of hours every day. Like day. I'll do, take clients and appointments. My Zoom clients I'll take online. And I'm sitting on the floor because I'm, I'm training myself to be able to sit for a 12-hour meditation day. I love not talking. I love being completely by myself. So, yes, it's a mouthpiece. Like, I have a tool uh, and I can use it, but I don't have to use it. I love to be – yeah. and and maybe that's why meditation is so delicious to me too because I was Vata, talk, 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 move fast, go, go, go my whole life. And now it's like, oh, no, it feels really good yeah. to back it off a little bit.
0: Well, but it is good because if you're a person who is just go, go, go all the time, you burn when it do it all you ever down. do anything for yourself, right? Yeah. And so the whole point of mindfulness is to coming into your own – Feeling what you need, mm-hmm. you know. We're so—I don't know if we're selfless all the time because most of the time we're not. But you know, like we don't feel. I think especially as moms, we don't feel like we're, we're allowed. We focus, like we're yeah. outwardly
1: focused. Yeah. yeah, we don't
0: think about taking care of ourselves or like, okay, I need five minutes to meditate, right? <laughs> yeah. I just need to lay on my bed for five minutes. And have no one jumping on me, Mm -hmm. no one yelling at me, so I can hear the thoughts in my head.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. And see, and that's what I will say. People will all the time, they will say, I can't, I don't have time to meditate. You don't have time not to meditate. Mm -hmm. It sharpens the saw, if you're familiar with the Covey analogies, but it's like, no, you sharpen the saw and you can chop the wood in half the time. And I'm talking five minutes. Bodies are incredible. Brains are incredible. Five minutes of sharpening that saw, you will massive difference Mm -hmm. in the way that you interface with everybody and the way you go about life yourself. And I love, so there are a few things when you slow down, time slows. And that's not a fact. Nobody like nerd check me on that. I'm (laughs) saying when you embody slowness, you become, you're able to see things in a broader view and you will get way more done going slow than you will rushing around and feeling frantic because being frantic is a state of mind And being still and slow and steady is a state of mind. And you will get way more done in that second state of mind, you know, than you would in the first.
0: Well, because I feel like when I'm in a hurry or in a panic of like, oh my gosh, I have... 10 things i have to get done today and they have to all be done by. like my stress levels get so high that then i can't even focus on one of those things
1: exactly right so then i'm like
0: wait which one am i going to start and which and then i take so much time trying to figure out what i'm gonna
1: i know and i'm a switcher (laughs) i i will jump from thing to thing i'm definitely that mom who i go into the kitchen to get something forget what i went in for but then i'm cleaning the tile with a toothbrush like four seconds later because i noticed (laughs) that you know, I mean, it's yeah. it's a whole situation. And so, yeah, that's a big thing. And, and meditation helps hone that, and you'll uh-huh. find that you're doing less of that. But then the other thing is that I say is you can't afford not to do it. And, and I talk about the children of Israel, like biblical, okay? Mm-hmm. So, like, when Moses had the staff and the serpent, and they were all being bit by these serpents, and they're dying from the venom, right? And he says, look to the staff and live, right? There was that whole... And because of the simpleness of the way, many perished. They mm-hmm. did not look to the staff and live because they're like, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. And that... In a nutshell, my friends, is meditation. People are like, oh my gosh, I'm so worried, and and we are seeing a spike in panic disorder. We're Mm -hmm. seeing a spike in anxiety across all people. They've never had anxiety before. That is a nervous system gone amok. You do not have a disorder, you do not need, like for the average person, you are just doing too much. Yeah, That's it, and your nervous system is on high alert. You have a job that's stressful where you don't feel appreciated, or you feel judged, or you feel like you're kind of on pins and needles all the time, is my offering gonna be good enough? You know, community service stuff, church service stuff, friends or family—that's very. You are holding yourself to the standard where you do not feel safe, and you're not even noticing that you don't feel safe because we're so used to not feeling safe that we don't even notice it anymore. Yeah, that we don't know. It's it's the frog in the pot, yeah. right? The boiling yeah. pot. We're all boiling, and we're like, "Why am I feeling like my insides are being cooked? This is weird." <laughs> but this is how it's been for so long that I don't know. Yeah, that's how it is. And I know meditation sounds oversimplified. And the other problem is you might not notice a big difference. For like a week or two, right? Mm-hmm. It, it will snowball. And there's a reason why the most successful CEOs in the world, like millionaires, billionaires, creators, artists, they meditate 20 minutes a day, like end cap there without fail. They would skimp on it. They will not back down off of it because they know what it does. Mm-hmm. They understand the value. And your nervous system cannot afford for you to not tune in at some point. Like we are, and, and that's what they said. They said we're going to be kind of hitting epidemic level mental disorders but I'm yes. like it's not mental disorder they are nervous system disorders and that's what people are seeing more in your Facebook feeds and in your Instagram feeds about somatic healing and breathing those are all forms of meditation and mindfulness mindfulness yeah. is simply coming into full presence with the body so a few quick ways people can do this are box breathing so just a deep breath in for four seconds hold at the top for four seconds Big exhale out for four, hold for four in a box, okay? Like Uh, four, you can choose eight seconds, you can choose four, four, five, whatever your breathing pattern is, but count it. If you were to do five minutes of box breathing a couple times a day, especially if you have something like a lot going on, Mm -hmm. it helps. So that sends just a kapow, like just stamp your foot, hey, nervous system, we're knocking you back into regulation. When you control your breathing, it sends a signal to your body that you're, we shallow breathe. When we're stressed, mm-hmm. you'll notice that you're just breathing the very top part of your lungs, okay? And that's sending stress signals to the body. When you take a big, big, deep, full breath, and Eckhart Tolle says one deep breath in, one conscious breath in and out is a meditation, just one. So if we just stop right now and deep breath in, hold, deep breath out. That right there, you notice that there's yeah, like I can a tune feel in it. Yes. Everything just goes, mm, everything hums. Mm-hmm. So, driving, I do this all the time when I'm driving, or you get to a light, I have the goal. When I'm at a stoplight, I'm going to take a deep breath in, hold at the top, deep breath out, hold at the bottom, deep breath in, as many as I can get during the mm-hmm. cycle, and just back to normal. Right? So, people, what people don't realize then is that meditation,
0: it's not like you have to take time out of your day to do mm-hmm. this you find time in your day to incorporate it.
1: Yes, to even. anchor and to... And even I mean, just to begin. Yes, just mm-hmm. start when you're noticing, how am I breathing? Set a timer on your phone for every two hours to just ding and you can check in and do a body scan and say, where am I holding tension? Where am I... What, what are my thoughts racing about right now? Yeah. So I would catch, you know, I had a really big betrayal in my life a couple years ago and I would catch myself just ruminating and like having an argument with this person or telling them off, right? Like, this really hurt me. I didn't like it, but (laughs) you hurt my feels. And it was so wrong. The way you did this was so wrong. And it was like, I would catch it and go, oh, we're not doing that anymore. That was sad. That's a bummer. Oh, body, I feel you. And and I'm not talking about bypassing because there's a whole, we could go on a whole other entire episode on cognitive bypassing. I'm not saying to not feel your feelings. In fact, it's the opposite. So like I was saying, with a chronic, someone with chronic illness, and you are just sick of it, be in that that day. Mm -hmm. Hit a pillow. Write some really angry words in a journal and be like, Mm -hmm. I am so angry. I am fed up and I feel cheated. This sucks and I'm done. Honor that. Oh my gosh. Friends, you have the right to hate all of them. But get it out. Get it out. Because the
0: more you hold it in.
1: It's just trapped. Yes. Well, and that's what
0: I've learned is that for me personally, Mm -hmm. the more I've held something in, Mm -hmm. like the more sick I feel. Yeah, you know the more oh. my body can't function
1: the more whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and that's an amazing book the body keeps the score mm. and it's yes. stored trauma is I in the body i just got
0: that book oh it's <laughs> so good <laughs> i have it ready it's right I just there i got
1: it so it's yes. on my bookshelf and it's it's oh it's like the bible for people who are into this kind of thing but it, it is true power um but the body does keep the score and that's what we were talking a little bit before we started recording but it's total health. Mm-hmm. I don't like the terms mental health and physical health because, like I said, my panic and everything, that was coming from adrenals, but it looked like mental health. Yeah. So we started treating my brain with drugs, and we started treating me with brain drugs, and I needed adrenal support, which you don't have adrenal drugs or cort- cortisone, prednisone, yeah. those types of things could help with um, adrenal insufficiency, and it does help with adrenal insufficiency over time, but I didn't need that because it was a short-term acute failure. But, yeah, it's like we need to understand that the body is a fully connected organism. Yes, and our thoughts, our busy schedules—that is having an impact on us to keep—and that's what I feel. I feel I was at a very stressful job for the four years leading up to my complete meltdown, and I even think the Botox thing. Yes, it was the trigger, but my body was so heightened that I think that my body was like invader, and it was already so wrecked. The last straw, (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. Absolutely, and I was in a because I was in a toxic workplace environment for four years, yeah, and I didn't realize it. I I wasn't willing to see, you know, and so I was like, and I felt so loved and helped you know I felt like really valuable within mm-hmm. the community in certain ways but I had a really toxic boss I had they had some really toxic policies and things in place like it was very two-faced and scary and weird and that makes you uneasy yeah. on it on a core level but I was stuffing that down and I wasn't looking at it because oh I love this program that I'm running and I love this and this is so meaningful and I'm so passionate But really, my nervous system was getting run into the ground. Yeah. And it was coming here. And then, yeah, having the Botox injection. But my (laughs) body was already on such high alert that it just treated everything like an invasion. So there will be a reckoning. And I I would much rather be helping people on the front end of it and going, hey, let's just get your body calm now. Yeah. (laughs) Let's start coming back to wholeness, you know.
0: So that we can handle what's coming in the future. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's like even this younger generation right now, they're so stressed and anxious Mm -hmm. because of all the things that have happened I mean you know and and we as we learn we can help them yes um and as they learn then they can help the next generation and then maybe it will get better instead of getting worse like right because that's what I feel like it's been going is into is not a bad we're not recognizing our feelings Mm -hmm. we're not recognizing that other people have feelings
1: Mm -hmm. the same that we do right so you know it's very important to come into this and connection, right? Yes. Just like a deep connection with one another, with ourselves, and yeah, the more we connect to ourselves, the more we're aware of everyone. Yes. Right. When we come home, yeah. and I call it the seat of your soul, I just felt like I came into the seat of my soul, and from my seat, infinite compassion, compassion mm-hmm. and wisdom, and infinite. You know, I work with clients, and I'll take emergency clients. There are days when I'm doing client work for ten hours a day, and people are like, "Oh my gosh!" And I'm, "Are you okay?" And I say, "It's incredible." Yeah. I feel so good cuz i stay in my seat too. I've heard the most horrific stories. People have had the wildest levels of trauma. Stuff that would have any crying, losing it and just like your faith in humanity is questioned mm-hmm. after you hear some of the stories that i've heard from my, you know, my seat in the state. But it's crazy because because i've been in such dark and scary places I'm not afraid of their darkness. I'm yes. not afraid of the, and it's not their darkness. I'm not afraid of the darkness that they're wading through right now. Yes. It's not theirs. Let me be, let me fix that <laughs> statement. Let, let's correct that sentence. Not their darkness because they don't have darkness, but that they're fighting through. The yes. mist that they're wading through and trying to get through. And I know that there's hope and healing. And so mm-hmm. I, it's so powerful to sit in a space and be a beacon of hope and clarity and go like, let's challenge that belief. Ooh, let's, ooh, let's break that up. And let's like, let's bind these people, these perpetrators, these people that have harmed Let's not give them one more day of power, and we're reclaiming ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's my wish for everyone, is to just fully come into the seat of theirs. And from that place, we can help others to find their seats as well.
0: I love that. What a different world we would live in if we could all find them, what you found. and And some of us are on that path. We're
1: getting yeah. there. So the more of us that can get there... We more. can point the way. Yeah, <laughs> We're like signposts going,
0: it can happen. Healing happens. Yeah. I think it's so awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, is there anything else that you would like to, like any advice, any one last piece of, yeah. of wisdom for, for my listeners?
1: Yeah, so, um, and we didn't talk much about sound healing, but it's so amazing. So, there are over 400 published uh, studies on music as medicine. Mm -hmm. So, looking up free, free resources, like on YouTube, you can look up meditations with binaural beats. Binaural beats just bring you, they'll more readily bring you into your theta state. So, it's kind of a cool biohack. Really experienced meditators can just boom, click into theta, which is the goal, but it can bypass years of meditation practice to just use binaural beats as a way to heal the body and to get yourself into that theta healing state. So binaural beats are cool. Yeah, you can find more about everything that I'm doing, that my husband's doing at, it's called Because the World Needs... The the premise of that is Because the World Needs More Compassion. Mm -hmm. Because the world needs better relationships. We need clarity in dealing with our people. Absolutely. I have so many spouses come to sit in my seat and they think their husband or their wife is the enemy. And by the end of the session, they're like, I'm my enemy. Got it. And I'm not, we're not blaming. I'm not, we're not talking about abuse. Right. We're talking about healthy, amazing people who are doing their best Mm -hmm. and they're having miscommunications. Let's be clear. Yes. (laughs) Because abusers are the enemy. Like we need to get out of situations. (laughs) Let's be clear. But it's so cool when we go, oh my gosh. And they see their partner who's doing their, they see them with new eyes. So because the world needs better relationships, because the world needs deeper connection. And so that website is designed to serve that end. And we have, um. A cool thing. We've made it wildly inexpensive. We, we've developed this platform with the intention of being a high-end personal development platform. And as we got closer to the finish line, my heart is just, people can't afford this and everyone needs it. And that's my heart. It's always been my thing. I wish I could do everything for free because I just want to help people. Right. So yep. it's $25 for a monthly subscription. That gets someone into a full access library, over 40 meditations, dozens of hypnosis tracks, affirmation tracks scripting and journaling prompts, uh, relationships, and then the other thing that we're doing is we're doing uh, live mentoring. So once a week, that $25 membership, they do a live mentoring session with my husband and I so Kyle and I and it's group so it's like group mentoring and so people can come on and they can come on totally anonymously it'll be a zoom format but totally anonymously ask their questions and help uh, have us help them break down a specific problem so and yeah you will never find that for $25 literally anywhere else and then we have an upper tier a $95 one that gives you two more live group sessions a week and self-guided sessions, which is just like a really deep process, but it needs a little more hands-on help to go through. So it's just a higher because it yeah. higher dollar point. But yeah, so people can actually join. It's called the collective. They can join that and just start getting resources, tools to okay. start dipping their feet into that world. And, and that's stillness. where they can find
0: information on how to contact you. Also, yep. if they want to have like one-on-one.
1: Yes. Okay. And I do. I do Zoom one-on-one. So anywhere in the world, I have clients all over the country. Mm-hmm. About 40% of my business is on Zoom. And then 40, or 60% are here in that, nice. that are right here in Arizona and come hit the chair. In, and you can. You can schedule with me on there. It will have it has a spot like work with Kyle, work with Laura. Because Kyle does all of this work too. Different types of work. But he works one-on-one as well. He's incredible.
0: That's fantastic. So
1: yeah. And then you there's a space to join the collective. So like it's just this monthly subscription that has everything we just talked about. Yeah. So that's, I love that. it's going to be the best way.
0: If we're working together, we are just becoming better together. So. I love it. Yeah.
1: And I, everyone needs the biggest thing that I have found everyone needs. And so many people I work they need more community and connection. Yes. And I was like, that is what we have to create a space for, a safe place that's not about being cool, not about, like, putting someone else down, not about, not, like, all communities are like that. But, you know, sometimes communities are a little aggressive or intense or not your vibe. I'm like, we've got to create more places where people can connect and heal together in a safe place.
0: In a safe place where they understand that, oh, I'm not the only one going through this.
1: Yes. And there's no judgment. So powerful. very,
0: very important. Thank you so much. I have learned so much. I am so excited to... um, Get to know you more and um, maybe we'll have a follow-up.
1: I would love that. A little while. <laughs> As you know, I like to talk. As yeah. was evidenced by this, it's like, oh, I just hate yeah. talking to other new friends. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Test Talks. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Laura. I'd like to thank her for her time and for sharing her story and what she is doing now and the things that can help us to have a better mindset. One thing that um, I loved was when she talked about learning that there are three businesses in this world, your business, my business, and God's business. Maybe if we incorporate this into our daily thinking, we can change our mindset positively. We all have pain and sadness, good times and bad times. None of us are going through this by ourselves. I think that maybe instead of hiding it and pretending that everything is fine and we have no issues or problems, we should be talking about this with our loved ones and our friends and sharing with others so that we can support each other. I think this would really help us all have a better thought about ourselves and about others as well. So this week, I would like you to check in with yourself. I want you to see if the story that your brain is telling you is serving you or hindering you is it true or is it false what thoughts can you turn around what things can you do to start thinking better maybe start with some positive affirmations instead of telling yourself that you can't do something focus on what you can do maybe slow down and find some time to meditate incorporate some box breathing into your day I have really felt the difference and the calming that it brings and i am so glad that i learned this i want you to ask yourself is what you're feeling true does it help you or hinder you is it really important and is it something that you need to focus on or something that you need to let go please check in with yourself try some meditation try some positive affirmations see how you're feeling and if it helps you Keep going. You can reach out to Laura at becausetheworldneeds.com. As I am working on my life coach certification, I need to coach someone. That way I can practice and learn and improve my skill. If you would like to be my guinea pig and have a few free life coach sessions, please reach out to me at Test Talks on Instagram. I would love to share with you what I'm learning and help you to change your mindset and be happier. Thank you all so much for your support. I really appreciate it. I have learned so much this year, and I'm so grateful that I can share it with all of you. And as always, love hard, live full, and laugh often, and I'll see you next time.